Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Today, we are celebrating again the, the fourth Sunday in Advent. And this Christmas season, the Advent season, really it's the time when we remind ourselves that this faith which we celebrate, this faith that we hold on to, is really permeated, it is filled, you know, inside and out with joy, right? It's supposed to be a faith of joy. David Wells, who is a Catholic speaker and teacher, uh, he said this recently, he said, don't take this the wrong way, but the hallmark of good evangelization, strangely, is people enjoying themselves. When was the last time misery converted anybody? That's a, that's a good word, David Wells. Right? We have this false understanding right, that Christianity is this, this faith of misery. Oh, it's heavy and it's hard. There's a movie that I'm not recommending. <laughs> it's called Monty Python's Search of the Holy Grail. Uh, it's from 1979 or something, so it's not worth watching. But there's this scene where there's these monks, right? There's these monks, and they're wearing these kind of drab, brownish, gray cloaks or whatever. And they have these pieces of wood in their hand, and they're just walking through these muddy, dirty, uh, medieval villages where people uh, have the plague. It's, t- it's terrible. And they're just chanting in Latin, and periodically they smack themselves over the head with this piece of wood, right? And it's kind of this, this comic look at what some people think the Christian faith is like, right? It's kind of hard, and it's somber, and it's morose, and it, it, it consists of inflicting pain upon yourself, right? But that is not the truth, right? God is not a God of misery. He has called us into joy. Billy Sunday, it, which is an American evangelist from the early 1900s, 1920s, He said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. That's a good word, Billy Sunday. And it makes me think, I'm like, is there a leak in my Christianity somewhere? Sometimes. And today what I want to look at is that the announcement of Jesus, which we read about in our scripture reading this morning, was an announcement of joy for all of the people of Israel. And it was an announcement of joy for everybody in the world. And it is an announcement of joy for each and every one of us today. Joy. And I don't think it would be a stretch to say that all of us have kind of high on our list of priorities finding or achieving joy, achieving peace, achieving happiness. And we have created this list, whether we have it written down in our daily planner or it's on the, in the, our subconscious mind, we have this list of things that we think, oh, if I accomplish this thing or that thing, right, then I will find joy. Then I will be at rest. You know, we, maybe we think, oh, if I could just lose 15 pounds, right, then I would be happy. Then I would find joy. False. Right? False. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. Uh, Or we go, man, if I could just get that job, right? Or if I could just move out of this house, I could move into that neighborhood, then I would find joy. If I uh, could get my bank account to this level, right, then I would be joy. Joy. I would be full of joy. 
Some think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm single. If I could just get married, right, then, then I'm going to find joy. That's true. And some of us are thinking, man, if I, could just, if I could just be single again, then I would find joy. Right? Go to the marriage retreat, please, if that's, if that's where you're at. Right? There, but we have this list of things, these big things or small things, right? Those are all kind of big things. Maybe we think that we're going to find joy after a busy, hectic weekend or a busy, hectic day at work. I'm just going to veg out and watch the Great British Bake Off on Netflix, and that's going to bring me joy. Right? So well, whatever it is, whether this thing that we're kind of reaching out for is big or is little, right? the, the happiness that those things, and many of those are good things, Right? The happiness that those things can bring us are going to be fleeting. They're going to be ultimately unrewarding because without the joy that can only come from knowing and serving God, they are just a, a false joy. They're a false truth. They're this thing that we're reaching out to, this ghostly apparition that we can't actually get a hold of. Or maybe... Some of us here feel like joy in this world is unattainable. I read a story last week about this uh, young woman. Uh, she was a meteorologist in Detroit. She was, uh, from the article that I read, she was uh, the wife of a devoted husband, the mother of two uh, children. She had gotten two meteorology degrees, one from MSU and one from Mississippi State University, which I guess would also be MSU. Interesting. Uh, that, that, that's not in the notes. Anyway, that's just... Um, so she got these degrees. She seems to, she started in a smaller uh, newsroom and had moved up to Detroit. Like This was like the, the job that she was looking for. And then, not this Thursday, but the last Thursday, Detroit... Detroit Channel 2 said, announced that she had committed suicide. Ugh, how could that be? Right? And I'm not claiming to know what was going on in, in Jessica's mind or in her, in her life. Right? I just read one article about her. But it's just part of this terrible statistic in the United States that on average, every day, 128 people commit suicide. Right? There are people out there in our world that are struggling with hopelessness and despair. Wow. And the truth is that some of us sitting right here are struggling with hopelessness and despair. And we watch TV and we listen to the, the Christmas radio station, right? And we hear this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but for lots and lots of people, it's not. Right? This can be one of the most difficult seasons in a, in a person's life if they're struggling with the loss of a, of a loved one, right? or they're sick, or a loved one is sick, they're in chronic pain, they're you know, struggling with their, in their finances, they don't have a job, whatever it is, there are things that throw a, a monkey wrench in what's supposed to be this beautiful and amazing and glorious time of the year. Right? There are people in this room, in our church, right, that are so far from joy that for me to stand up here and say this faith is permeated inside and out with joy is laughable or offensive. 
And the last thing I want to try to communicate is that, well, if you're in that place, just have a little more faith, pray a little harder, and you're going to be okay. Right? That's not at all what I'm saying. You know, if you are struggling, if you are feeling hopeless, I just encourage you, you can reach out to me, one of the other leaders here, a friend, a professional counselor. You know, just reach out to somebody. You know, you don't have to walk through pain alone. There's hope and there's help. But what I do want to talk about today is that this joy that we celebrate at Christmas time right, is not based on our situations. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on what's going on around us. Joy that we celebrate, that the Bible talks about, which is available to all people through every difficulty and joy of life, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And the reality is that joy comes from being in a right relationship with God. And it is not something that we can create on our own efforts. Right? We can't just go, okay, I'm going to be joyful now. Right? It's, a, it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. The way that we get joy is not to run after these kind of fleeting pleasures, but to step into the presence of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to allow the, the fruit of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, let it bubble up from within us. Because with the Holy Spirit, we have an endless well of these things, including joy. And the Apostle Paul actually talks about this, 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 this polarization between those seeking pleasure in the world and looking for these kind of temporary things that are going to meet some need and the, the pleasure, the true foundational joy of seeking God. And he says this to Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. i got to imagine most churches are using this in their Christmas service this Sunday. <laughs> So what, so what Paul is, is talking about here, though, and he kind of sums it up in that last little uh, clause, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Right? Paul believed he was living in the last days. And as he looked around in his culture and his time, he saw people acting like this. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. The worst thing ever, disobedient to parents. Can you imagine somebody being disobedient to a parent? Ooh, creepy, right? So, and so Paul sees all this stuff and he re recognizes that this is people that are running after pleasure rather than running after God. And we can see this. We see this in our world. People like this, running around, loving themselves, being unforgiving, slandering. And a lot of times, we see this person staring at us in the mirror in the morning. You know, as I was preparing this message and pondering joy and pondering, you know, running after earthly pleasures rather than running after 
the, the presence and the knowledge and the service of God, I realize how often I can try to fake myself out by thinking that oh, if I get this thing or if I do this thing or, or right, if I put this person down, I'm going to feel better about myself. And it's this, this garbage, right, that ends up being, uh, leaving you empty and, and hopeless and in despair. Right? It's only when we, we find our foundation in our, in our center in knowing and serving Jesus that all good things are able to be enjoyed. And so Paul warns Timothy, and I'm warning you to avoid people like this and to avoid being a person like this. Right? Find your joy in seeking God first. Because God really wants us to be happy. He wants us to find the fullness of joy. And when I, I grew up in the, in the church and ultimately around, right after high school, walked away from the church because I didn't see God as an, an avenue to my joy, but I just saw God in the church as an obstacle to my joy. Right? Like I had been in the public schools long enough to understand that all the things that actually are fun God is against, right? He's, no, he's the big cosmic killjoy up there. And I just want to have, go to the parties and I want to have the drinks and do whatever the things are. You can fill in the blanks, right? I, and I thought that is what's going to, to bring me joy. So we walk, walked away from, from the church and just started living that lifestyle of partying and drinking. And I was in a rock band. I had long hair. I was a real cool dude. <laughs> and... Uh, and I thought it was going to make me happy, right? But when I think back to that season of life, it was just so dark and heavy and just remember feeling lethargic. And there were moments when, oh, that was fun. Going to that party was a good time. But ultimately, it was just so meaningless. Nothing that I thought was going to bring me joy did in any meaningful or lasting way. And so as we walk through that, and many of us have gone through those seasons, right? We can, and then come back to the Lord, we realize that God is the opposite of an obstacle to our joy. The Bible doesn't reveal a, a God who is asking his people to walk around in somber robes, smacking themselves in the head with a plank of wood, right? He is calling his people into ultimate fullness of joy. We're going to look at a passage from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, 17 through 19. And this is the Lord speaking through the prophet. He said, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Right, God, his original, tent, his original intent and where we are heading, right, what we can step into in part right now before his second coming, right, is this fullness of joy. Right? He wants his people to be joyful, to rejoice, to have fun. Right, and it says that the sound of weeping and crying will not be heard in the city of God, in the new heavens and the new earth. And it's not because it's going to be silent. It's because people are going to be rejoicing and praising God and laughing and playing football. Wasn't there a Newsboys song about that? Big, big house. 
sorry. Uh, and so it's going to be fun, right? God wants his people to be happy and full of joy. This is a God, the Bible shows us a God, Old Testament and New Testament, a God who wants to rejoice with his people and he wants his people to be glad and to rejoice forever. And so the Christmas story is the story of Jesus' birth throughout is filled with these images of joy. And one we already read this morning, I'm just going to read a portion of it. In Luke chapter 2, it says, the angels, uh, this is what the angels announced to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right? God sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus humbly stepped down from his place, seated at the right hand of God, to be incarnate as a human can you imagine? I mean, we can't imagine. God, far from being the obstacle of our joy, the obstacle of our joy sends down Jesus, which is the hope that we have that we will fully step into joy now and for eternity as we bend our knee to Lord Jesus. And so the arrival of Jesus is an announcement of joy. Don't be afraid, shepherds. Joy is here. Don't be afraid, Israel. Joy is here. Don't be afraid, world. Joy has come. Is that enough Christmas? Okay. 33 years later, (laughs) we're going to come back to the Christmas story in a second. Fear not. 33 years later, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the Gospel of, of John. This is recorded in chapter 15. And he is giving some kind of last-minute teachings and instructions as he is on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross. And in this passage, he shows his disciples how they can step into the fullness of joy. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So Jesus instructs his disciples to remain in his love. Because if you imagine this scene, these guys who have spent the last three years walking around with Jesus, seeing him healing, seeing him teaching, right? Uh, you, know, you know, spending nights in the wilderness with him, watching him open the eyes of the blind man. And now Jesus has multiple times said, I'm going away, I'm going away. You're not going to see me. Where I go, you cannot follow. And he tells them, remain in my love. And this word remain isn't a suggestion. It's not just kind of an idea that Jesus has. This is an imperative verb. This is a command from Jesus. He's saying, now I'm leaving. Remain in my love. And what are some of the other things that they could have been remaining in? Right? They are watching their Lord and Savior abandon them, leave them. They could remain in this feeling of abandonment. This, they could remain in feeling alone. They could remain in feeling forgotten. 
Maybe they could have remained in this in, in religiosity. They could remain in, in hopelessness. They remain in fear. What if the Romans come for us next, right? They could, there's so many things that they could have remained in that would make sense in that scenario. But Jesus says, remain in my love. Then he tells them, how, how are you going to do that? You will remain if you keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And so as we submit our lives to Jesus, as we obey his commands, just like Jesus obeyed his Father's commands, not just into blessing and joy and, and happiness, but right through really crappy stuff. Like this is right before Jesus is kneeling in, in the garden saying, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let your will be done. Right? He doesn't want to endure this cross. But then in Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So even in the, the midst of that painful situation, even in the darkness of the cross, right, Jesus holds on to joy as he obeys and submits to the Father. Because joy doesn't come from our circumstances. Nobody would say that Gethsemane is a fun place to be. Joy comes from obeying, knowing, serving our God. And then in verse 11 here, Jesus shares the results of this obedient remaining in his love. He says, if you remain by keeping my commands, do it so that your joy, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This joy that Jesus, the, the Son of God, had throughout his entire life, his entire ministry, his entire eternity, right? That joy, the divine joy, is given to us. Right? As we re remain, it's this. And this verb is not something that we do, right? It's the joy may be put in you. It is something that we receive as we step into Christ, as we step into his presence. His joy is poured into us. And Jesus says, and I'm going to make your joy complete. Right? This is the, the fullness of joy. The, the fullness of joy that is a consequence of, of living in Christ that can never be found anywhere else. It is going to be overflowing. It's going to be abundant. This word that uh, Jesus uses here, your, your joy may be complete, is also used by Jesus in this parable in Matthew 13. Um, in this parable, in Matthew 13, Jesus says, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. And the fullness that, that Jesus is talking about here is overflowing. It is complete. It is satisfied. There's no room for any more. Right? And so they're done with their catch. This is a picture of, of a full fish net of fish. Right? And it, it's overflowing. These guys, they don't look super happy. But fish are kind of stinky and gross, I imagine, in this scene. Right? Joy is not stinky and gross. The point being that joy is overflowing and abundant. 
That's a, it's a great analogy, Mark. Well done. Uh, but right, it's this idea that it, there's this never-ending completeness to the, the joy that Jesus gives us that we find in him. Right? And what we learn from, from these passages is that joy is not a requirement of Christ followers, but it is a consequence of living in Christ. Joy is not a requirement of Christ followers. It is a consequence of living in Christ. The announcement of joy to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, it meant to them that the long, dark time of their waiting was over. The Messiah that they had been waiting for for thousands of years was here, right? Salvation has arrived. And some of us here today feel like we are in this long, dark time of waiting. It may seem that the Lord is far away, that he is unattentive, that he is unresponsive. But the story of Jesus' birth reminds us that Christ, our Savior, has come. And in him, is the fullness of joy. Not joy based on our circumstances, not joy that's based on our experiences, but true joy that bubbles up from deep inside because of the Holy Spirit that we have poured out because Jesus Christ has been glorified. It is a joy that endures the pain and the difficulty and the struggles of this world. So just as the angels declared to the shepherds, I declare to each one of us, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus Christ is born. And so if you are struggling today, if this season is far from the most wonderful time of the year, I just encourage you just to step further into Jesus. Not to fake it, not to pretend like everything's okay, but to step into Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your joy today. Jesus, as I submit to you, I need your peace and your love. I need to be reminded that we have an eternal hope in you. And in that place, today, we rejoice. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can have joy even in the dark times. Even in the the valley of the shadow of death, we know that you are with us and that you are for us. And in that, we rejoice. Lord, we celebrate your birth and we look forward to your second coming. Lord, we are are so grateful that we have an eternal hope in you. Lord, that though that may seem dark now, the the Christmas season, the the birth of, of our Savior Jesus shows us that there is hope and that there is life and that there is joy. And we say, Jesus, come quickly. Lord, I pray that every person here would have a joyous Christmas season. 
Lord, and that you would meet each and every one, that you would be a very real and present help for each one. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, <laughs> that was supposed to be a joyful ending, sorry. Uh, yes, well, we do rejoice in Jesus. I'm just so thankful for you guys coming and celebrating with us.